hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Welcome back to a very special episode. And I was really intentional about releasing this episode on Christmas because I really feel like this conversation is a gift. And during this time of year specifically, so many of us are reflecting on our careers and really beyond our career. What is our purpose? Why are we here? What are we meant to share with the world and how can we make an impact with this time that we have on earth? So much of what I've learned from Sir John is about how to honor your calling and expand beyond what you may have once believed that calling to be. Sir John went from being a MAC makeup artist and a window dresser to one of the most globally renowned makeup artists in the world, and now he's expanding that work even further as an advocate for mental health and for DE&I and really for black beauty everywhere he goes. Sir John and I are very different, but we actually have a lot in common. We both love beauty. We both love fragrance. We both love old Hollywood glamour. And Sir John and I actually started going to a few events in LA together this year. And he would text me before the event and be like, what's the look? What are we giving? Let me send you what I'm going to wear. Let's coordinate our palettes. And I was like, yes, this is my dream. Like, let's coordinate. He, just like me, lives for putting together a look. But the other thing that Sir John and I have in common actually runs much deeper. We both understand that our presence in rooms and working with brands is about so much more than ourselves. It's about the impact we can make for the culture and for the Black community. Sir John is a lot further in his career than I am. But when I hear him talking about how he wants to advocate for the culture when he works with these luxury brands and he wants to champion Black women, I think about what drives me to do the work that I do for Naked Beauty. As I always say, Naked Beauty isn't really about me. Naked Beauty is about creating a platform and opportunities for people that don't often get the limelight or the space to tell their story. Sir John really crystallizes this point for me. We're all working for something bigger than ourselves. Also, I have to say, as a parent, I loved hearing about the way his mom advocated for him and allowed him to be himself. And we really get into his life story, leaving home, figuring it all out with no money, the decision to make really big pivots in your career once you've reached really big career milestones. It really was a wonderful gift of a conversation. Now, I have to say, you can also get the visual Naked Beauty experience on YouTube. So if you want to see these boots mentioned in Sir John's equally fabulous outfit, make sure to watch and subscribe to Naked Beauty on YouTube. It's linked in the show notes. And thank you so much for the love and support this year. Let's get into this wonderful conversation. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
hello, hello. This is Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I am so excited for today's episode because I am sitting with world-renowned makeup artist and can I say friend yet? Yes. Okay, friend, because we've been spending some serious time together, Sir John. I'm going to tell you a little bit about his background. I'm sure you all know his work. He's worked with Barbie, with Beyonce, with Serena Williams, to name a few. He's worked on incredible brands like Estee Lauder, Disney's The Lion King, Kiss, and Mattel. He's formerly the creative director of L'Oreal and currently the creative director of Killian. Sir John is a distinguished figure in makeup artistry and has reshaped beauty culture with his authentic voice and unmatched creative skill, boasting an impressive decade-long career in the industry. In an ever-changing industry, he stands as a steadfast pillar of creativity and inspiration, using his voice and brand to empower individuals to embrace their uniqueness. That's something we're definitely going to talk about today. <laughs> With a belief that beauty is a feeling, Sir John has inspired a generation to celebrate individuality and redefine beauty from the inside out, advocating for a more inclusive and empowering landscape. Sir John, welcome to Naked Beauty. Wow, that sounded so long. Oh my God, have I been alive that long? <laughs> wow. Listen, you've been doing your work and you've touched so many people. And actually, for this episode, as yeah. a little prep, Okay. I did a little Q&A. I okay. did a little background research. I talked to some people. <laughs> okay. Let's I talked go. to some people about your impact. Oh. Now, yeah. I know you're a Cancer, so I don't want to make you too emotional. July 1st, yes. Cancer, Virgo, Rising, Scorpio, Moon. So Scorpio. Oh, Scorpio, Scorpio Moon. It grounds me a bit more. People sent me little love notes about you. Oh, this is cool. The first voice note, yeah. I'm not even going to tell you who it's from. You're going to know from the second you hear. Okay, I'm going to play the first one. All right, let me wax a little poetic about my brother, Sir John. He is rare. It is not often you meet someone with such extraordinary talent and fame who is also so beautifully kind and authentic. And you can't speak to his career and the legacy he is etching without mentioning how fiercely he fights for the representation and celebration of Black people in the beauty industry. It's profound and powerful, just like him. I love you, Sir John. Julie Wilson, Julie Wilson, shout out to my sister. I grew up around journalists like Kalana Barfield, uh, Julie Wilson, Sarah Brown from Vogue, you know, Cardi Cardellino. So before the art of influence, you know, we were around serious journalists. They're the reason everyone knows about our work. Like they were the vehicles to express how it translated from a show or the impact someone's eyeshadow had in a Coachella or a Super Bowl. So shout out to my girls. And I'm just part of the family now. And we just came back from Lagos, but that's my babe, yeah. I also heard from Kendra. I'm going to I'm going to read you what she said. Oh, wow. so she said, "When I think about Sir John, it actually just makes me smile. It's been such a privilege and an honor getting to know him, getting to share a community with him, getting to call him a friend and also a business colleague. He is just such a light. He's such a giver. He empowers us all to see ourselves in such a beautiful way, and he's really just created and made such a profound impact not just on the beauty industry, but really in all industries." Kendra Bracken Ferguson, she's such an amazing woman and businesswoman, and she's doing the work. The part that yeah. really resonated for me is when she said, like, when you call, he'll answer and show up with the glow and the light. I think about how before Halloween, you helped <laughs> me with my son's skeleton makeup on Halloween. That is right. I forgot. Yeah. You really elevated the look to a level that none of the other three-year-olds had for Halloween. But just the way that you show up. I know you had a lot to do that day. Thanks, but you babe. were like, yeah, I'll jump on FaceTime and help you figure out how to do the skeleton makeup look. But to show up for people is such a beautiful thing. And it's yeah. felt and appreciated. One last quick voice note to play okay. for you. <laughs> From your sister, which is so beautiful. My name is Queen, and I would like to speak about my brother's impact on my life. He's always been a guiding light, and I was able to witness him hold on to a dream and bring it to fruition 
while navigating life and taking on a great amount of responsibility since he was younger. Even though he is known as a world-renowned makeup artist, is also very much a creative force in general. You put any tool in front of him and he's going to compliment it. If it's a brush, he's going to paint. You place furniture in front of him, he's going to stage it. If you give him plants, he's going to make a garden. He's a vessel for artistic expression and it's like poetry when you watch it in motion. I don't want to get emotional up here, you know, I don't have like waterproof mascara on today, but uh, no, it makes me, it makes me feel good. Like I, um, that's my babe, you know, and I remember we were talking, we were playing a game the other day and it's like, what, uh, what was one of the happiest moments of your life, right? Yes. And for people listening, we were playing the card game. We're not really strangers and they yes. give you these prompts. This was over dinner last night. And I think the prompt was, what was one of the happiest moments of your life? Right. And so it was when my sister was born. Mm. Yeah. It changed my life. And it gave me a sense of like purpose when I was a kid, you know, I'm the oldest son and I just, I've always been, I've always been just a nurturer and just like a, I just, I love people. I just love taking care of people, but it's also really good when you're taken care of too. So my sister takes care of me in such a big way. It's all reciprocal. You know, and I, one thing I've learned about now is what's beautiful. We talk about beauty. What's beautiful is when you can feel beauty is a feeling. It's not something that you can see, but how do you make me feel? And so all of these relationships are reciprocal because we continue to feed and water each other so we can't flower. Yeah. I was talking to some of my boys the other day, and I think that everyone should start to do like this little temperature check or lean into like, do the relationships that I have or I'm adjacent to, do they, do they water me? Do they fertilize my garden? And if they don't, or if you feel like there's some dead weight, or if you feel like, hey, listen, I don't necessarily know the last time a friend of mine that I continue to pour into actually pours into me, evaluate it. When we want to make sure our skin is renewed or we want more cell turnover, what do we do? We make sure that we rid ourselves of any dead weight or any yeah. dead skin. Yeah. The same thing with your life. Now I know this now, I didn't know this before, is that I need to make sure that I free up some space for new energy. Even if it, I, I don't know where it's coming from, I need to free up space. So I think that's the work and that's what I always talk to younger people about, especially creatives. Like we're the first generation to normalize being a creative. We're the first generation to tell our parents, hey, I got a job. <laughs> and you should believe it because back in the day, if Instagram wasn't there, my family wouldn't have thought I had a job at all. You know, so I think that when we have that, there's some freedom in that. We're the freest generation because we can normalize what mental wellness looks like. No generation in history has ever normalized checking in or actually emotional availability as a man or as a God. So I think that this is a really beautiful place for us to all become activated. But even the ability to go into a creative field and see that as a profession, mm. I think we have to give credit to Darcy. Yes, moms. I want to hear about your mom <laughs> and growing up in Buffalo okay. and even the fact that she put you into a creative arts school, yeah, right? Because yeah. that's a really powerful thing to do. Absolutely. Tell, yeah. me, tell me about your relationship with your mother. Yeah. So... You know, I wasn't a super athletic when I was a kid, but also I was super tall. So I was 6'1 when I was in the sixth grade, where I was 13 shoe at 11, 12 years old. So I was supposed to be, right. by the neighborhood standards, a basketball player. But I was an artist. I just wanted to paint and draw and create something. So my mother saw that and she knew I need to love each one of my children differently. They all deserve love but I should tune into who they are as people at an early age. So I remember my brother was super athletic and she gave him everything he needed for him to be successful in that way. But for me, I remember one day I came home from school and she took butcher paper and thumbtacked it all around the room. So I remember that there was this huge room <laughs> with like paper everywhere. And there was a bucket of like chalk, charcoal and markers and things like that. And she just told me to create and just have fun. So I 
lost it. And I just started creating these murals and I spent days doing it every day. I would just get home, run into my room and start creating more and more and more. She took them down and replaced it with fresh paper. I didn't know she was saving it for school. So she saved it for an art school. I auditioned and I got in. And so that saved my life. Like it really did save my life. When your parent, especially mothers, give you the freedom to create or be creative or find your way. She saw you as you were. Yes. Right? She saw you for what you were and this innate talent that you had. She didn't say, oh, you're tall. She no. allowed you that space to be who you were. Be who you are. Just be the greatest at whatever that is. Just give them a little bit of a spark, you know. And moms have that ability. Yeah. Dads do too, but it's something about a mother's green light for anyone to just go and do you and be you it's just like it's so powerful man so that set a, a whole trajectory of myself you know going to school for art so yeah we've been really close like we grew up together she had me when she was really young but she was always really really strict yeah <laughs> when you're a young mom it's almost like you have to be strict yeah. and you have to enforce those boundaries yeah she was mom and dad you know but i just knew that i had a a level of responsibility at a really early age that a lot of people didn't have. And then I just got out into the world. I left Buffalo two days after I graduated. And then I moved to New York City. I started working in beauty. Then, you know, it wasn't the easiest road. <laughs> like, sure it, wasn't. it was not I'm easy sure at all. It wasn't. I remember oh, yeah. doing my research. Huh? I thought Sir John was like a stage name. A lot of people do, yeah. You know, and I was like, oh no, his name yeah. is Sir John. Yeah. Your mother named you that. And I'm, I'm wondering if she shared with you why she chose the name. I yeah. would imagine there's something very powerful about having to address a young black boy as Sir, yeah. right? As Sir John. So it was difficult. I'm not going to lie. My name is difficult still to this day, right? And it's a real name. All my uncles are from the Marines or Navy or Army. So my grandmother, and my mother wants to commemorate her brothers and her uncles because they have all served in the service. And so I was the first grandchild. <laughs> and so they gave me this name. And I remember that the kids thought it was cool, but I remember teachers would not call me Sir John. So I was dealing with like institutional racism from a child. I didn't know why. Like it's on my birth certificate. Right. If, if my name is Sky Blue, call me Sky Blue. Right. But I remember saying, hey, listen, if you don't call me my name, my mom's going to come to school. You don't want my mother to come to school. So she did. I remember one time I was in the fifth grade, September of my fifth grade year, and the teacher refused to call me Sir John. We were in the principal's office and she, the principal was like, okay, what is this? Is this a thing? Are you serious? And she refused. So my mother took me out of school and homeschooled me for fifth grade. Wow. Because of that. Even when I would go to doctor's appointments, they always called everyone else by their first and last name, but they would never say my first name. And I deal with it every single day. But I heard Tupac say in an interview, whenever you have a difficult name and you have to repeat it, and you make sure that people are aware of the correct pronunciation from a child on, it gives you a little bit extra texture or guts, you know? Yes, and conviction to like pronounce my name and yeah. trust me as who I am. Yeah, yeah. And, to, and, and Fix the name it. that my mother gave Fix me. it. <laughs> yes, that's beautiful. Come correct. So you moved from Buffalo yeah. to New York. I was only in high school in Buffalo. Right, so, so you like, left. I immediately left. So I, I found myself in New York. I went down with like 400 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> and I started working for Mac Cosmetics. Did you know anyone? I knew one person who I went to high school with. Her name was Christina Bricolo. Hey, Christina. <laughs> and I slept on her couch for three weeks. And then I remember finding an apartment, but I had some other roommates and, and then the whole hustle starts, right? But I've been so blessed to have some amazing teachers. I remember Sam Fine, amazing makeup artist. He took me Sam in Fine. as a, like a little brother and gave me so much knowledge and, you know, about the business, about the craft, about just how to maneuver and operate, how to advocate for myself. So 
I was like always a young businessman in my head. And then while I was working with Mac, I started to also go to do makeup in a strip club in Queens. Shout out to Rivies, Steinway and 35th in Astoria. <laughs> what was that environment like? Now, I haven't had the privilege of spending time in strip clubs. Yeah. We're going to go. I, I would love to We're go. We're going to go. I would okay. love to go. That's some interesting content, yeah. you and I to strip club. Do you watch P Valley? I love P Valley. I have not seen, okay. No. It's a show about life in a strip club. There's a lot of dynamics in a strip club. It yeah. sounds like it can be very crazy, but the girls give like a look, right? Oh, oh I mean, no, they give looks. So, they, okay, yeah. so what was that training like? And what was it like being in the strip club? Yeah. So my Mac buddies and I, we all went there and we were pit, like basically pitched to the club that we needed to do this for the girls. Every night we had to like 30 or 40 women to get on the floor at the same time. Wow. That's how I became really fast. I got right. fast before fashion weeks, before, you know, Pat McGrath. I got fast in the club. Right. And then you they wanted to be glamorous and you can try out all these looks and it was just fun. So I would do that. Then I would work at Mac, which taught me a lot about different cultures and all the needs and everything, the concerns that women have. And then I'm in New York, rent is high. I needed another job. So I started doing uh, the windows at Henry Bendel's. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Legendary the, Henry Bendel's. Bendel's iconic Bendel's. The, the holiday window specifically. And it's like an event. That's, I can remember being yes. a young girl going down and they would like basically lift the veil and you would see these windows and it was That's like wild. awe you know this. and shock. I mean, it was beautiful. It's art. Yeah. It's installation art in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I remember, you know, going across the street to be the men's merchandiser at Gucci for a while. You were uh, doing it all. Freelancing. For, so I was freelancing in those spaces. But I remember one of my old Mac buddies, his name is Yadim, Yadim Carranza. What's up, man? I saw him on my lunch break. And he's like, hey, listen, I know this woman. Her name is Pat McGrath. She does the shows at Bryant Park. Come to one of the shows. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't have anything to lose. I didn't know who she was. I went. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is, okay, we're in it. Like, this is the thing. I happened to be like 24, 25. She asked me, was I going to be in Milan for the, the Italian shows two weeks later? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there for sure. Hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> You know? At that point, had you ever even been to Milan? I didn't even have a passport. <laughs> oh okay? my goodness. Didn't have a passport at all, guys. <laughs> but no hesitation. You were like, yeah, I'm going to be there. You know what the thing is? When I look at the biggest moments in my life, I, I believe heavily in the power of like manifestation and being in alignment and frequency. If you think about the Hot 97 radio station, <laughs> yeah. if you're one dial off, you're off of alignment. So for me, alignment is really important. I remember being in alignment and manifesting what I wanted in that space and expecting it. And so I remember going back to the club at night and talking to the girls about, hey, I got this cool opportunity to go to Milan, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, oh, okay, you're going. I was like, no, I can't go because I have bills, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it was fun today. And I was telling them all about my day. And that night when I left, they put together a jar, a mayonnaise jar of $2,200 and fives and ones and tens and shit. Oh, these are the girls at the strip club? Uh-huh, the girls. And they wow. popped it or twerked me all the way to Milan. <laughs> yes. To Lenate Airport. My first show was Dolce & Gabbana. After that, she took me to Prada, which was a thing, which right. speaks to the lack of inclusivity in this business, and we can unpack that another time. Right. This is when Prada was in their kind of all-white model era. All-white models. No black people backstage either. Wow. You know? And this is also the era, and I'm going to keep it real, when the black people who were in the business were happy to be the only person in the room. So it was that kind of space. It wasn't as inclusive as it is now. Mm. I said it on wax, guys, yes. <laughs> and so one thing I remember is she told me to pack my bag. I'm like, damn, I must have used too much foundation on someone or whatever, because as an editorial makeup artist, you always are making sure you don't see skin, you know, in the camera. Like when we were assisting Charlotte Tilbury or any major photographer, like Annie Leibovitz or Steven Mizell, any anyone, you want to make sure that you do not see skin. That's the ultimate crime in editorial. Oh, beauty. wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, fuck, I did something wrong. And she was like, can you pack up and go to Naomi's hotel room? 
And I was like, okay. Oh, you thought she was asking you to pack up to go home. (laughs) Like, you know, let's go. Oh my God, I idolized Naomi Campbell to the fullest. Anyone knows me, my sister knows, my family knows. She was in my locker, the Milk Mustache campaign. I knew everything there was to know about her because she was like the example of what black excellence looks like in fashion, you know? Yes, black beauty personified. I had pictures of Naomi Campbell everywhere in my room growing up. Yeah. And so I go to her hotel room. I remember she had a white bathroom on. She was eating eggs. <laughs> and I was getting her ready for the Dolce and Gabbana show. And she was my first client. Now, this were is, you nervous? I wasn't nervous. I just knew that I had to do really well. Right. I, was, I didn't have the nerves, but I felt the pressure to be great. Yeah. And I came back to the States. You know, Charlotte Tilbury was and has been and still is to this day the biggest influence from an artistic standpoint besides Sam Fine in my career. She introduced me to Beyonce in 2010 at Tom Ford's first women's wear show. And she's always been so like, hey, do more. You can do this. Whatever I have that you need, let me know. She was so secure. A lot of people who are in our business are very insecure. And they want to kill any opportunity that their assistants may have on their own because they want the roads clear. But to that point, yeah, and then I came back and I met B. I remember that. And life just started lifing, you know? And that first time that you were able to work with Beyonce, what was that like? Did you know it was going to be this long career where you'd end up going on tour with her and doing the makeup for Lemonade? And I mean, you all have done such impactful to the culture work together. Yeah, just in general, I can't think about her without like laughing it a little bit. Because it's like, you know, if you go to school for a certain thing, I got my doctorates in Beyonce, if that makes any sense. <laughs> right. But I would say that when I first knew that I was going to get to work with her, we were backstage and I just knew, I used to love being an assistant. I used to love it. I love being an assistant because I loved supporting the, the key artists to know what they needed, to make sure that they felt good. I love that they relied on me. So I was like the best assistant. Um, and it wasn't, it didn't take anything away from me because I still could walk into a job with my backpack and not have to carry suitcases or stress about anything. But I remember she said, hey, you're going to do her, her, and her. And I was like, okay. So I knew the names, Julianne Moore. I remember Joan Smalls, you know, mm-hmm. Jordan Dunn, Carly Claus. And I remember Beyonce was on the list and I just thought it was a model. A model with the name Beyonce? I didn't, I didn't know. I just, I didn't, like, I just, surely she can't just be on this list with everyone else. Yeah, like right. this is fashion. I thought, right. you know, until I saw Julius. Oh, right. Julius is always like the sign, like, okay, and Beyonce's like, close. Oh, my God. But uh, no, and then it started a beautiful relationship. And, uh, you know, can I say the rest is history? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, the rest is history. Yeah. But I also think it's so interesting how you can do so many different types of faces, right? Like yeah. you've done Celine Dion's makeup. You've done Naomi Campbell's makeup, Beyonce's makeup. These are all very different faces and skin tones. But I think you have, we talked about this creative lens with which you like view the world. What is the creative lens that you apply to makeup that you are Mm. able to do so many different types of faces? Yeah. Well, you know what? I always talk to younger makeup artists or people who are in hair or makeup specifically and a wardrobe to a certain extent. I will always say like when you think about the medical community, it's one of those things where you go into a hospital, they don't say, oh, I don't know if I can work on that body or that body. They just go to work. That's so <laughs> Like, so as a beauty professional, we should be able to look at someone, it doesn't matter if they're from Harlem or Hong Kong, and immediately go to work. Immediately know what they need, know where you will want to take them, know what you will want to magnify. And I think that's the job in 2023. Like, that's what it is right now. Yeah. Knowing what you want to magnify is an interesting way of looking at it. Do you assess, like if you're starting on someone, it's your first time working with them, do you say like, what, what's your favorite feature? What do you want to magnify? Like, where do you start? Yeah, yeah. I like that question. Recently, I had a, a contract with Allergan. So I toured around the U.S. talking to plastic surgeons and dermatologists. And so I love plastic surgeons. I love doctors and dermatologists because they are on another 
side of beauty and they help us see ourselves or help us usher in repair in some way if we feel like something needs a little love. But like we start to uh, massage our minds and realizing how do I not homogenize everyone's look? I don't want everyone to look alike. And there's a lot of that. I will say coming from New York Mm -hmm. to LA, I've had to adjust my eyes because there are a lot of people that look the same and you find out they're all going to the same person for their filler and their Botox. And it's really a problem because I'm like, when did we all start looking so similar? Well, I think when what year did Juvederm come out? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right, you know, in wrestling, shout out right. to those girls. But I would say that, you know, one thing is what's working. So you have someone in your seat, whether they be getting a haircut from you, mm-hmm. wanting their face done for a wedding or for a Super Bowl, or if you're a plastic surgeon, giving someone their first little bit of filler to correct some dark circles. What is working already? What do you love that you see already? And that's just kind of my philosophy in general. Like, shake what your mama gave you. So <laughs> don't worry about what's not working. We can always go there. Everyone can talk endlessly about what's negative. But is there anything that you can connect and see that you used to love or that you want to reimagine uh, or that's working for you? So those are the things or the, the vibes that we create when we're in glam or if I see someone, if I get a brief. But also everything's a feeling. I know that when I get to... Like, for example, the Tiffany's campaign, I remember, or I'm just thinking like large briefs that we've gotten for Coachella or anything. It could be even Met Ball for anyone. I want to see how do you feel when you come in the door? I might have an idea of what we want to do, but like, how do you feel about your day? What's going on? And I may have had this huge plan to give you this serious eye, but maybe emotionally you don't necessarily feel safe enough to put your hand back down because of some shit that happened on your way here. So let's get into your head and you're going to be the vehicle to get us to where we want to go. Your feeling is. You've had so many makeup tips go viral on TikTok. Have I? <laughs> yes, you have. Are there things that are just such common knowledge to you that like then you see all these people share and like they're like, wow, I never thought of that that you're surprised by? You know what? There's been a shift in my career, right? So right now I, I work with companies more so than people. Right. So I don't want to say my attention isn't necessarily in the hacks or the TikTok things that are popular, but how can we make sure that so many people across the diaspora or here in the States or whatever, in you know, in the Middle East, South Africa, feel like they're on our radar in terms of the formulation of the colors for cosmetics, concealers, textures. So those are my clients now. My clients are the brands or the companies. But if something happens to go viral, I'm like, okay, let's rock with it. But you guys are the ones to tell me or remind me of this stuff that's happening because my mind is somewhere else. One thing I will tell you when it comes to this, this business is that when I look at people who went to school for being a doctor and they were doing residency, at every stage of their career, you know, there were pivotal moments that you could talk to. But being a makeup artist... It's the same title I've had since I was 19. But it doesn't matter if you're at the executive level of your career or if you're just starting out, you know, or carrying luggage. So I think a lot of people are, and I'm, and I'm going to speak to so many people right here. We're also slaves to how our audiences have met us or meet us in so many ways. I look at so many artists and not just makeup artists, not just hairstylists. I look at singers. I look at talent in general. You're often marginalized by what your audience expects from you. And now the audience is social media. Now the audience is the megaphone that you started with, but you have the right to continue to grow or flower. So what does that look like? And I know that, for example, for me, if I don't put makeup on my Instagram, it looks like, oh, you don't do makeup anymore, right? But it's like, guys, we have to move the needle. (laughs) And we are allowed to continue to open and expand what the definition of a makeup artist is happens to be like it's a fun time to be in this business but there's so many different ways and entry points to to be not just successful but to inspire you know i know you did the formation tour okay and then you kind of 
stepped off of the Ferris wheel of, yeah. you know, the world of Beyonce so that you could focus on your work, your artistry, and how you wanted to grow. What was it like making that decision? Well, the thing is, I never really st stepped off the Ferris wheel. I'm still on the block, right? <laughs> You're still around. I'm still on the block. That's still my sister. And so I'm looking at it like, just like a proud brother or family member. I think in general, any person who has anything to contribute to any art form, you know, we should also be allowed to figure out what, what's the next step, not just for myself, for the business. So I'm not thinking about what I need for me. I'm thinking about what does this business need for me, that open space for so many makeup artists or so many creatives so they can feel free, they can run faster. And also, guess what? I'm older now. It's hard. It's hard moving it's around boring. and slapping a suitcase and running after girls with powder. And listen, <laughs> so whenever there's something where I'm needed in, in, in that space, I'll, I'm there and I'll drop what I have to do. But I do love the fact that I have the ability to redefine how I'm seen. It, it's also difficult, even though Beyonce is the sun that has energized or heated up my whole career. You know, I think as an artist, you never just want to be attached to one name. I remember for a while, especially when I was with L'Oreal, I had to tell them, I had a writer, don't start with any Beyonce lead-ins. Like, I'm an artist. And also Parkwood respected that. They supported me in that. Because I'm not trying to hear right off of the name. You guys know it already. Right. You know, so allow me to continue to do great things because I'm an artist who, who does great things. I think any makeup artist, I want you to think about all the makeup artists that are known by first names, right? Mm -hmm. There's a few of them. When you're attached to someone else's celebrity, it actually can be marginalizing in some way mm -hmm. for your career, even though the public thinks it's a really great thing. So yes, to, to answer your question, have I been so excited to be on this journey with her? And will I continue to be? Yes. But I know that I have so much to contribute as Sir John, the artist or the talent or the, the executive that doesn't necessarily start and stop with one person. Yeah. And the way that you've advocated for inclusivity and for black women specifically yeah. in the beauty industry is something that we have to talk about because these brands, they don't always get it. Yes, man. They don't always get it. And it's, Girl, it's, you have to have this. some tough conversations. <laughs> How do you approach those conversations in a way where they hear you? Oh, man. You know what's funny, though, is that if we were waiting on the beauty industry or fashion industry to be more inclusive, we would still be waiting. We would still be you know, waiting. To this day. That is a fact. What's so amazing about the space that we're in is the democracy of social media. Social media is so democratic that everyone is not saying or hoping, they are demanding representation. They're demanding visibility. And if you don't, you can be brought down. There's no giant that's too large right now that cannot be called to the floor by the people. And, and that's so inspiring to me growing up in the business where it was the opposite. So to your point, like, how, is it easy? It's not easy having a conversation with companies that have an idea of what luxury looks like. I don't have 3 million followers on Instagram, but I'm like the people's champ in the sense of I ride for people and they ride for me. And I will walk away from a contract or I'll walk away from a table that doesn't serve our community. And when I say our community, I think about something Dapper Dan said recently. I gave Danessa Myricks an award during Fashion Week for a Legacy Award. And he spoke and he's like, you know, listen, whenever I want to be inspired, all I have to do is follow the culture. I get chills when I even say that. The culture is the only inspiration I need to follow. I'll always be in a good place. And when I think about the culture, I'm saying, I'm, me personally, I'm talking about black culture. Yes. And so advocating for black culture is something that is a rite of passage for me and it gets me out of bed in the morning because someone else has done that. And in times that were not as easy, times that were not as glamorous, yeah. and times where their bodies were at harm for actually speaking up. Right. So to your point, like I wear suits a lot and I was the creative director for L'Oreal Paris. I'm always in France. But I'm from Harlem, <laughs> right, right. you know? And so I think the goal is 
to continue to make sure that you're not just an ally, but an accomplice. Now, I always talk about being an accomplice, guys. For example, I'm a guy, and I'm an a, a accomplice for women. I never worry about my safety. I never have to worry about my safety. I go to my car, not thinking about it, 3 o'clock in the morning. But just because there's no hole in my boat doesn't mean I don't necessarily need to be an ally or an accomplice for women who have concerns that are not mine. And that's the same thing. So I look at how many people who I'm working with can be accomplices, can understand what the needs are of communities that have been quite marginalized for some time, and we can make some positive change together. It's the time. This is the beautiful work. This is good work. You know, sometimes there's a lot of difficult work. I've been on so many Zooms where they like the idea of a Black creative director, but to actually listen to me when I speak about what the com community needs in terms of shade ranges or extensions, it's been problematic. So I, how do I advocate for myself in a way that is not aggressive? How do I make sure that my ideas... Can, can, we, can we touch on that a little bit? Because advocating for yourself in a way that's not aggressive is something I really <laughs> want to hone in on. You said oftentimes they look at luxury and we're not included in luxury. And sometimes you, you may see a visual, right? And you may think there should maybe be some black people included in this visual. I get triggered when I hear <laughs> things like, oh, we can't be too aggressive because it seems like sometimes us even speaking up and opening our mouth is seen as aggression. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, especially for white people, and I'll be specific to my experience, there is like no worse assertion than being called a racist or being seen as, you know, it's, it, they're very quick to be like, I've got black friends and I love black people. Performative. It's very performative. Yeah. Without naming names, could you give a specific instance when you yeah. did have to speak up and yeah. how you phrased it in a way that wouldn't be considered, quote unquote, yeah. aggressive? I'm dealing with this now in so many different directions. My whole thing is this. I have a commitment to diversity. So I have a commitment to the, a diverse set. So the, the way we can start to have this conversation is if you send a brief over, and I know that we have all these influencers, I look at where the companies use their buy, use their money, advocate for the people who they feel will speak to audiences. And so if you have 20 influencers that you're flying into XYZ or whatever that looks like, or if we're spending our money in these different directions and you have one person of color and they don't even have a tan. And so what I'm saying <laughs> is that this is not a place I feel safe. And I'm gonna keep it real. As a black man, when you sit in a room and talk about how something doesn't make you feel safe, that is often seen as like, how does this guy does not feel safe? Because the same thing happens to us. When white women have not felt safe in history, historically, categorically, our bodies were in harm's way. Some of our, our, our relatives are no longer here because of one woman saying she didn't feel safe in a conversation. So what that looks like is how can I make sure that my ideas translate well? I always talk to younger creatives. You don't have to assimilate. You do not have to assimilate to be to, to the dominant culture, but you need to make sure your ideas translate well. Mm -hmm. So as creatives, as artists, we're not always used to talking to finance people. We're not used to people talking to people who don't necessarily have a dream and making sure that they can understand. I want to find out what do you need to take away for this all to be a success? And then let's work backward. And some of that in there might be my attendance, might be the audience that I speak to. You might need us to advocate so it looks better for you from a PR or comms perspective. Right. So, so do you, because I'm thinking even executives, people that are listening to this that may work in marketing and they get that list of influencers and they don't see any black people included in it. What yeah. do they say in the meeting to yeah. get people's attention? I think the, the goal is just to be in the room. If you are in the room, even if you are an intern, no one can silence you. So if you are in a space where you can't uh, even highlight 
how this this doesn't appear modern. <laughs> That's good language to uh, use. It doesn't necessarily look like the world, you know, that I see on my way to Spirit 59, to Milk Studios, whatever that looks like. How do we make sure that we have more people, more stories? We need to tell more stories. And so there's other ways to talk about being more inclusive without being so transactional by saying, I don't see any black girls, <laughs> right. which I want to say and I'm going to say, but <laughs> I want to also make sure that you realize from a storytelling perspective, we are at a deficit. So let's start to reorganize. How can we reimagine this landscape? And so reimagining any room, reimagining any brief is something that we all should do. No brief or no creative doc that you get if you're on set, even if you don't feel like you can campaign for it, the person who you're assisting, you should bring it to their attention. Yes. And if everything falls on deaf ears, that is definitely a work environment that you should not create for or add any sauce or secret sauce to. So you've left work engagements because you felt like you were being heard. Not not because I wasn't being heard. Uh, we had a conversation. And then when, when I got it back, um, I was like, I just don't necessarily feel like this is for me. I don't understand why I need to activate with this company. Mm. And I don't, or I haven't. Um, and guess what? At, that, at those moments, I've also not been the favorite or favored for, my, for management. You know, I look at agents and, and management. They're not always happy with you saying no. Because they, you know, they want to keep their clients happy as well. So um, it is, it, it can be challenging, but I love it. I love, honestly, I, You're there for I'm the in the space. You're you know, like, you, you, know you why? want to do that. I want to do work. it. I want to do it because if I can't, who can? And right. so I think that when I, I look at the generation of people behind us who were able to pass through certain rooms and they felt sexy passing through these rooms, mm. like, no, you're only there to be a Trojan horse for the culture. Like, right. And if you're not bringing other people along, then yeah. your presence isn't as impactful as you think it it's is, not. if it's just you. It's not, it's fleeting. Do you resent that we have to be so diplomatic? Oh, damn, that's a good question. That's a really good question, and I'll tell you why. I have to show up in a different way than my counterparts. Mm -hmm. I look at other makeup artists, and shout out to the boys, shout out to the guys, the ballistic ladies. I love everybody. I'm like everyone's cool cousin in, in this business, <laughs> right? Everybody. But I look at them, and they can just come to work and do beautiful makeup and go home. But when I go to set, I have to be on. Like, they want to film me. They want me to talk about a product. Sometimes I feel like, damn, like Sammy Davis Jr., if I'm not in a good space, I feel like I robbed a client by just me coming to do makeup. I have to go in with a shave. <laughs> I have to look like... You have to be on-screen talent in addition to doing your job. And, it, and that can be exhausting mm -hmm. because being that dynamic, actually, these are two different careers. These are two different things. So I make sure that my team protects me in a way where if I go on, I am only here to do this thing or I'm only here to do that thing. But uh, the fact that we have to be so diplomatic, I was trained to behave. There's a lot of trauma in the fact that I always feel like I have to have a close shave. I couldn't have a beard or a scruff because that would make, you know, the rooms not feel as safe or I wouldn't translate well. And th that's some toxic shit I learned from just being in this business. So I've always been trained to like behave and be like this model citizen in this business. So like anybody who knows me knows I cut up outside of work. <laughs> like I'm, I'm a crazy motherfucker. But I know that when I go in these spaces, just like yourself, we don't have any option or any choice to not represent our community in everything that we do. It goes back to black girls. We don't have a messy bun we can wear to work. No. You know, the, the, no. there's no messy bun equivalent no. that we can do for work when we're showing up in a professional setting. That's a good point. You know, That's a good point. we always have to put together in a way where we'll be heard and yeah. respected because that respect, you have to work for it. Yeah, whereas yeah. our white counterparts just get it. Let me ask you this. One thing I, I admire about you is that you are so poised. Were you a ballerina ever? Oh my gosh. 
I did do dance. Shout okay. out to Alvin Ailey. Did you? I did Alvin Ailey. Oh, wow. I was never good enough to do it, do it. But you know what I think it is? I think I'm just very calm. When people say, like, oh, you seem so poised, I'm like, I think it's just because I'm calm. Okay. But calm doesn't necessarily affect the lines in the body in the mm. same way. Mm. So what I love about the old school way that women used to carry themselves, like Diane Carroll, you know, Elizabeth Taylor, like look at, you know, uh, Josephine Baker, Naomi Campbell to this day. Yeah. It's a sense of like carriage, which I, that's what I love about women, you know. Mm. And so I feel like you have it in a Thank big you. way. It's a huge compliment. Big way, big way. It's yeah. a huge compliment. You always look incredible. I want to take it back to our first meeting. I was okay. with my husband okay. and, you know, we were just like swooning a little bit. He's so handsome. He's so nice. Aww. He's so smart. Um, That's my boy, yo. He's a good guy. <laughs> and you know what, you know what Amut said? And I was like, yeah. this is the perfect description. He said, he just looks like a million dollars. Like you just I look expensive. You always smell good. Thank you, babe. I can't let you leave here without getting a little bit into yeah. like your routine. Okay. The products you love, mm, what you okay. swear by, because you always look good. Yeah. Like your skin looks good. You thank smell you. good. Thank you. Thank you. You know what's so fun is that I was best dressed in school. Not and surprised. Prom prince and prom king senior year, right? I love clothes. <laughs> prom prince and prom king. I love clothes. And but so there's two different sides of me. Like I love wearing tuxedos. I know it you sounds great horny. Do you but get I'm, them like perfectly fitted to you? Yeah, well, I take everything to a tailor. So okay. I have this Turkish tailor Turkish, on Beverly. Okay. Shout out. And, you know, I take sweatpants to wow. go get taped up a little bit. It doesn't matter what. My mother always taught us to take pride in our appearance. It goes back to mom's. And it, it doesn't have to be so expensive, you know, but I do love wearing suits. I noticed when I started wearing suits and tuxedos, the, 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 it changed like how I, how people reacted to me. Women have that. You guys have always had shit like that. Yes. Heels, corset stuff, right. makeup, hair. Right. I just love the feeling and I just feel really old world and it feels makes you feel powerful. So I'm either in that or I look like a 90s drug dealer. <laughs> but a 90s drug dealer in like true, I mean, I guess the, the drug dealers had like luxury garments. Drug but dealers was like the, the driest thing back in the day, the babe. The drip. Listen, anybody know? <laughs> from New York, especially for New York. In the 90s and the 80s, drug dealers were fly. They had girls. They had the best cars. They were always in leather. So, like, yeah, I wanted to look like a drug dealer when I grew up. You've also, though, travel a lot. And I feel like <laughs> traveling and looking good is hard to do. What do you throw in the skincare bag? What supplements are you taking to maintain your energy? Yeah. I'm all about the supplements. So I actually am going into wellness. Is this an exclusive? I'll this, take it. This is this is a, a, a brief foray okay. into it okay. all. But I, I love conditioning the body from the inside. So, you know, I love making sure I take care of my kidneys or like increasing cell turnover by things I can ingest. Making sure I break down sugar before it actually starts to break down collagen. So all of these things... Mm -hmm. In our diet, you can find holistic things. I'm such a holistic guy. I sit down with holistic homeopaths and write glossaries on things that I'm bringing to market. And it's just like I really love these vehicles that have been there. You know, when we look at wellness now, wellness looks like Gwyneth Paltrow, right? Shout out to Gwyneth. But we're agriculture. We've been agriculture since antiquity. I started losing my hair in the 90s, guys, like 98. And I started losing it. I'm like, I'm going to let this shit go. <laughs> so I'm going to let it go. So I laser my hair. So I get laser hair removal on my wow. scalp. So it appears really smooth. And I do believe in a little bit of like love from a dermatologist or, or a whatever little, I need. A little filler, a little Botox yeah. here and there. I love, listen, let's go to chemicals <laughs> and let's go to the naturals. <laughs> the, they, they both exist. Yes. And we can have and enjoy both. Yeah. And also let's normalize it. I think even as a black man, I remember I did an article for Refinery talking about like, listen, black doesn't crack, but it sags. <laughs> and it's okay to do a little filler if you need to, or some Botox or whatever it is. Just don't go too far. And so my mother was mad, pissed off at me. And I'm like, Ma, like, 
let's normalize guys being able to have a, a vehicle to fix something. Like, we don't have concealer. We don't have the things that you guys have always had. So if a guy want to get a little bit of Botox when he hits 40, you know, so he can look like his younger counterparts if he works on Wall Street or in finance or marketing, let that man do that. Yes. There's still so much space that's needed for men to be their full selves, to participate in beauty, but also to participate in mental health conversations. Yeah. I love that you talk about your feelings. You talk about going to therapy because we need so much more of that. Babe, listen, if you think about a lot of your girlfriends, if you think about the friends, a lot of our uncles and our dads, our granddads, you always heard, oh, my dad was a man of few words. Or my dad was a disciplinarian, but my mother's the one who spent all emotional time with us. Because these men did not have any space to feel. They didn't have any space or any room to feel anything. And not just from a machismo standpoint, they went through so much shit on the job during the Jim Crow, where they had to be this man who cannot even think about what he's going through on the job. Then he goes home and has to deal with stuff from his kids or... He can't say, oh, I'm really hurting right now, or dad needs to shed a tear. No, he, what, he did not have access to any feeling. And so what happened because of the result of that is that we've had so much toxic, masculine, emotional availability. And so we're just coming to a space where you might want to talk to your granddad or your dad about, hey, I'm packing some things. How did you feel about when this happened? How did you feel about this death? And they still are carrying so much trauma that is tangible, and it's not for them to carry anymore. We're free. We've been free a while from an emotional standpoint, you know, from a mental health standpoint as men. But I don't necessarily know if it's as, you know, cool to, to feel. We also, I hate to say this, and I'm going to keep it real, ladies, but I don't necessarily know if women allow men to, to feel. There's so many women who hold up men in this way of what men should do and what men shouldn't do. I look at Instagram and it's like, it's girlish for a guy to have a straw or like, oh, I yeah. still know the stuff like, we see, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that stuff. Like I, I got such an ick because he wore a helmet when he was biking. Like <laughs> that man can't keep his brain safe so while he bikes. <laughs> yeah, I know, it is but, crazy. And so like, if any guys are watching Naked Beauty, I want you guys to feel, feel. Like, feel what you need to feel. Like, you know, go to guess, therapy. Go to therapy. You only free up everyone else. The, when we have access, you guys are so far ahead of us. Women, ladies are so far ahead of us in so many ways. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it is sad. It is sad. But you speaking your truth and you telling your story is going to help more men come into their truth. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing so openly. I want to hear before we wrap yeah. what you do for self care. You've got an yeah. afternoon free, you've got nothing yeah. booked. It's just you time. What do you do to pour into yourself? What I do to pour into myself. So I have a really beautiful office right now that we're going to go and decorate a tree, my team and I. And what do I do to pour in myself? I love interiors. Yeah. And we, we bond over that, yeah. you and I. Because a plant moment we love. moments. Figuring out curtains, rooms, draperies. Environments. Yes. The biggest way that would like really release serotonin or uh, dopamine for me is changing a room, changing an environment. Because I'm a visual person, actually having a vision and, and making that vision come to life, making it flower. And that's why we're makeup artists, hairstylists, gardeners, chefs, um, storytellers. Yes. You know? It's all about telling stories. Um, yeah. And then like an herbal refreshment helps since I live in California. Oh, yes. That, that always helps to get edge <laughs> off of, of the stress of the day. When do you feel most beautiful? Oh, wow. Ooh. Oh, man. That's, I like that. When do I feel most beautiful? I feel most beautiful when my people are taken care of. I hate to say this. When I've served people. When I've served people, it makes me feel 
like, okay, I can breathe and I'm chilling. No one's looking for me right now. <laughs> and when I say the people, it, it, it changes, it varies, you know? But I also feel the most beautiful after conversations like this. I feel the most beautiful, I don't know, beautiful is the word, I feel the most full, you know? And so when we, we talk about beauty, it's a feeling. Yeah. And so how does it make me feel? It makes me feel full and 10 toes planted down, you know? When I have conversations that can be a shortcut for someone. I love vibing, I love vibe sessions. So that's why you and I rock with each other. And I hope the people at home are rocking with everything that we talked about today. And if they don't, continue to discover, continue to disrupt, continue to question things that you don't believe in. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege to talk to you and hear hey. your story. Yes. And <laughs> I look forward to more. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. That was the great Sir John. And don't you just love the story behind his name? And don't you love hearing about his mom and his journey and all the ways that men need to do better? That is a theme we are going to return to in 2024. Sir John is certainly a role model for me and so many others, and I'm so grateful he decided to share more of his truth and his story with us. I'm also leaving this episode so proud of the Naked Beauty team because we did not take our foot off the gas for the end of the year. We've just been committed to bringing thought-provoking conversation week after week. And shout out to the whole Naked Beauty team. Today's episode was produced and edited by Mbie Kasanga. Make sure you're following us, Naked Beauty Planet, on Instagram and TikTok. Bridget, Kayleen, Alexa, they're doing some serious work this year to elevate all of the social content. Shout out to Elijah for the episode descriptions, Salam and Kyla for keeping everything organized. It really takes a village to bring this show to you all, but we're all so grateful for the support. Make sure that you share as you're listening on stories and link to our episode or share directly from Spotify. That always helps new people discover the show. Subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a review, and thank you so much for your support. A new mini episode with Telsha is coming up next week. I'm excited for you all to hear that. And please take care of yourselves. I'll speak to you in 2024. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.